might actually work, boys and girls. Let's give this one a shot here. Let me just grab the chat overlay. Put this in the browser. So everybody can see this on screen. There's the ice cubes hitting the tray. Get out of this. All right. We are actually rocking and rolling this time, it looks like, besides my chat not working. Let's try this one more time. Denied. We're not going to have chat on screen, boys and girls. It doesn't like me. It does this every time. All right. Let's get the party started. So... Uh, we have a crew here today, basically, again, back after further demand. We have somebody that I had to go out deep into the woods, way out there, and finally brought him in by using special bait, only designed for absolutely special people. <laughs> and I didn't have enough. The first thing he says is, you don't have enough. Um, and that it would be a Mr. Ryan Macbeth. How's it going, Mr. Ryan Macbeth? How you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me back on the show. And I'm going to bring in my co-host, second to none, well, second to me. Um, that would be Mr. Will Bird. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, how's it going? All right, so basically, what I, we kind of wanted to do today was just kind of have a, obviously he's hitting the cup and, and stuff, so we're rocking and rolling here. Um, we just kind of wanted to have a good time, do some rapid-fire questions, um, important stuff so we can create an AI version of you um, and send out a special bot to basically destroy the Internet. So some of the questions we need are all going to be geared towards creating that cyborg of you. Um, so it will take a little bit of time, but we'll get it down right. Sounds like a plan. Outstanding. <laughs> So, uh, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate you doing this. What, we, what I basically did was I did a video, um, kind of a fun video that I did, a little bit of drone action, a little bit of phone action, rotary phone type thing, and then I asked him to respond in a short, kind of going back and forth with it and kind of sharing our stuff on, on each other's channel. Um, and, and I appreciate you coming on and doing that with me. So, um, so any last words before we get started with some of these questions? Because, you know. No, no, it's, it's great to be back. I'm, I'm uh, very happy I'm here. Outstanding. All right, Will, what you, uh, anything you want to jump in here and handle? Oh, I've, I've got some, but they, they might be, uh, <laughs> well, here, let's, let's start off with an easy one. All right. Because uh, I've got some that are pretty in-depth and require a setup. They're not going to be so much rapid fire. All right. Uh, but I did poll my community uh, and took some questions. And uh, what is what is the what is there's two questions here. So what is the dumbest thing that you've seen in the Ukraine Russian war, and what is the funniest thing that you've seen in the Ukraine Russian war? Boy, that that's that's a good. One. What's the dumbest thing I've seen in the Ukraine Russian war? I, I I'm actually gonna go out. Well, I don't know. I I um from a tactical standpoint. Probably one, probably one of the dumbest things, and I, I mean no disrespect to the Ukrainian people, is seeing them create 
uh, Molotov cocktails. Um, right. I think that you know a Molotov cocktail cannot destroy a modern tank. And you know people say like, oh, what if we throw one in the engine block or in the, in the vent? You know, and like the vent on a T seventy two is on the left side. You know, and it's this small you know hole, probably about the size of a two shoe boxes. You know, stacked up. Um, right. So. I know why they did it. They did it to get the people involved, to let the people know, like, hey, this is serious. We're going to war. You know, this is, uh, everyone needs to be involved. This is total war. But if, oh my God, if people actually tried to go after tanks with Molotov cocktails, <laughs> it just, there's a lot of people getting killed. And I actually addressed that. Like, don't do that. Sure. <laughs> you know, I addressed that in one of my shorts. It's a really bad idea to do that. Um, what's the funniest thing I've seen? Boy, that's that's a good one too. I, I have to think about that one. I think um, I think one of the funniest things I've seen is at least from the the, the Russian side, seeing this this constant denial of not reality, but of how the military actually works. It's one of the big issues I've seen with with Russia is that the reason Russia propaganda, Russian propaganda tends to be so effective is that they're very good at exploiting the lack of knowledge, you know, among the average person. So they'll say like, look, Ukraine dropped anti-personnel landmines on Donetsk. And you're like, well, that's a dumb thing to do because anti-personnel landmines are for canalizing troops. You, you put them on the left and right sides of the place you expect troops to go. That way the troops go down the middle and then you have other presence for them there. <clears throat> so I guess the funniest thing is, is just to see this, this reality that's fabricated, you know, by Russia that they're living in. But, but this fabrication doesn't win wars. So th th those would be my two answers. Okay. You want to go, Sage? I wish I could have given you a funnier answer, but like that's Oh, no, no. It's, I mean, they're just, uh, they're curious. You're the expert or uh, <laughs> you're the default expert, whether you want to be or not. So thank you for the answer. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to fire away with some, um, some, some, some real questions here, some important questions, some down-to-earth questions that everybody's waiting for. So if you were going to be in a TV show, which TV show would it be in? like to have my own tv show <laughs> well you do actually <laughs> I, I know i know uh which tv show would i like to be in that's correct i would like to be in for all mankind for yeah, all the, mankind. it's this apple tv show where like the space race never stopped you know yeah i would like oh, to be yeah. a character in for all mankind that would be kind of cool mm. um yeah i think i would like that I'd like to be in for all mankind. Well, we will reach out it's to them right after the show, and we'll see what we can do about that for you. <laughs> I appreciate Put it. In no a good word. Fire away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. Do you do you think? Um, I think we kind of we kind of dipped into this last time. Do you think that it was a um, a necessary uh, evil or a necessary good or or whatever? Do you think it was necessary? For the, a lot of people are upset about the financial burden uh, from the Ukraine war and, and the U.S. and how much they're yeah. sending over to Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, do you think that was necessary? And in your opinion, is it something we should have done? Um, did they need it? Did they require it? Is this is this actually helping them win the war, or is it kind of like a slush fund where people are getting rich? What would what would your opinion of it be? So, Ukraine is is 
is a corrupt country. Um, it's just, it, it is, I don't want to say it's not as corrupt as Russia, but in the middle of an invasion, people are going to reprioritize. I think even the most corrupt person is going to go, you know, if Russia takes over, the standard of living that I have might decline if the status quo changes. Um, there was corruption going on in Ukraine, and Ukraine is run by oligarchs. Just not as many as, or more, uh, there's more oligarchs in Ukraine than there are in Russia. So Ukraine actually has more choices when it comes to news and media. Um, Of course people are stealing money. I mean, that happens in in the U.S. as well. Just, uh, just, I think today, uh, there were some officers that were sentenced for trying to steal uh, sites, uh, red dot sites. They're a Patriot missile battery that was being deployed. And I think they tried to steal like 50 red dot sites that they thought had fallen off the property book. There's corruption everywhere. Uh, is the money winning the war? I think it definitely is. You know what you haven't seen? You haven't seen any Ukrainian 152 howitzers. All that ammunition is gone or all those howitzers have been blown up. It's gone. So the only thing that's keeping Ukraine alive right now is 155 howitzers or now we're sending them 105s. Um, was the money necessary? I think it was. Yeah, there's essentially two financial backers to Ukraine. Well, two and a half. The United States, Great Britain, Poland. And everybody else is doing what they can. You know, here's here's a couple of APCs or here's some helmets. You know, a lot of that's because most of these countries don't have a big military industrial base. They don't have a lot to send to begin with. Right. Um, so there's that. Is it worth it? I mean, you know, we... We're building a train in California right now that goes from <laughs> Bakersfield to Sacramento. Like, two places nobody wants to go. Yeah. You know, like, you know, we have enough money to do that stuff. There's it's, uh, there's so much damn money out there. At, at this point, it really doesn't even matter how much money we spend because it always seems like we, we can conjure up more out of thin air. Um, and, you know, honestly, if, if we didn't get send money to Ukraine, we'd probably just spend it on another train that goes from two places that nobody <laughs> wants to go to. So yeah. I think it's money well spent because we can either we can either stop Russia now or yeah. we can stop Russia in 10 years. And, you know, if we stop Russia now, it's going to cost a lot. You know, what if we stopped Hitler before he attacked Poland? Would he have gone into sure. France if we have had that huge war? You know, so if, if you're ever if you're ever reading a history book and you're looking at the history and going like, I can look at World War II and why didn't somebody do something? Well, this is what doing something looks like. Part of that spending money. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Got one stage. All right. Let's 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 get back to the real questions on this side of the street for <laughs> me, please. All right. The be- All right. Coolest place you ever been and why? Oh, wow. Coolest place I've ever been and why? Uh, probably, this isn't even a military answer. Well, Uh-oh. you know what? Probably the, probably the coolest place I've ever been is um, Cairo, Egypt. It's, it's the craziest darn thing. It's like, it's like going back in time. You know, because there's people on the street talking on cell phones and they're riding a donkey at the same time, you know, and it's like it's it's like going into the Star Wars cantina 
<laughs> but it's like the whole city of Cairo. Nice. The whole city of Cairo is basically the Star Wars cantina, and East is rubbing shoulders with West, and it's it's just this amazing place, you know. And everyone, at least back in 2004 when I was there, everybody seems to get along. Christians get along with the Muslims. Everybody got along there, you know. So it would probably be Cairo. If you, you go on the street and you can buy some bread, and somebody else is selling shish kebab, and somebody else is selling live chickens, and it's just like the craziest wow. freaking place. Well, so it have to be Cairo, Egypt. Since it's not uh, Sage's live stream, I'll let, I'm going to let you go now. It was nice talking. No, just kidding. Uh, go ahead, there, Will. Okay, I've got uh, this. Is this one actually came from the chat? It says, um, "Any manuals about, or any manuals you'd recommend about forming and maintaining a resistance movement, logistics, intelligence gathering behind enemy lines to recommend reading." Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the the actual TM. Uh, there is the infantry TM is TM or training manual twenty one dash three. Right. Uh, it used to be called FM seven dash eight. Now called F or it is it's called FM twenty one three. That's the, the basic infantry manual. Uh, there is another manual called the Ranger Handbook. I love I the Ranger Handbook. Yeah, I don't know the nomenclature of that, but the Ranger Handbook goes into everything from like how to tie knots to how to do a, a river crossing to how to do an ambush. It's it's basically a, a handbook for the insurgency. So there's that. And the other book you'd want to read is called The Bear Went Over the Mountain. And that book is about the war in Afghanistan against the Russians, against the Soviets, from the Taliban's perspective. So The Bear Went Over the Mountain. So those are probably be the three books. Ranger Handbook, uh, FM 21-3, uh, and uh, The Bear Went Over the Mountain. Absolutely. All right, Sage. Do you want me to go with one? All right, because uh, yeah. we're, we're back on my side of the street here and having a good time with this. All right. Your best pickup line. Um, Not, hey, I'm Ryan McBeth from YouTube. We got we to gotta go with another one. All right. Give me another one other than that. Does so, this smell like uh, you? You know, <laughs> you know, what's funny is I was actually I was at the Army Navy Club last night. And. I went up to Ann Coulter, and I asked her for her phone number. <laughs> That's well, and and I said, uh, like, you know, <laughs> hi. I uh, I think you're really pretty. Um, I would love to uh, if you I, the, the Ryan Macbeth pickup line, the, the line <laughs> that I would give. It's it's actually a very simple line. It's like, hi, my name's Ryan. I think you're really attractive. I would like to get to know you. If you give me your phone number, just put your phone number in my phone. I promise I will call you and ask you to dinner. Nice. Does it and work? And if they don't have a boyfriend or they're not 13 years older than you, <laughs> they usually do that. Apparently, Ann Coulter is 60. Uh, well, oh. She said she just, just broke the level, broke the line on you. <laughs> the mature uh, cougar. Apparently, I'm, I'm not in Ann Coulter's league. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't um, know it was Ann Coulter. Did, oh, really? You know, it was only afterwards the guys I was with was like, yeah, that was Ann Coulter, right? I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I got one. All right. How all have right. the Soviet uh, Basson and Concours wire guided missiles been used by both sides? Uh, how is it better than the tow missile? Um, 
how is the tow better than that? How is the tow missile better than them? I guess the the so, Russian wire guided. Yeah, I'm familiar with those two missiles. So the tow isn't the tow should have a slightly longer range, but it's not the tow. We, we always say tow. Oh, they have the tow system. They have the tow. It's the ITAS. Yes. That's that. The ITAS. Uh, I can't even remember what the darn name stands for. Independent IT, Thermal ITA something system. Independent thermal something acquisition system probably. So Improved the ITAS, target acquisition, I think. Yeah, I can. I can actually. We can see differences in temperature of one degree. I remember when we first got the ITAS fielded. I was talking with this guy from Raytheon. I was like, "This thing's broken." He's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, out because we were pointing down this field. We were on main post in this, you know, contonement area." And they had us fire up the ITASs. I was looking out in this field. I'm like, this thing's broke. And I was like, well, let me see. And he was like, yeah, no, those are gophers. <laughs> so I was, I was seeing the heat signature of gophers, like, you know, groundhogs. <laughs> I was seeing the heat signature of groundhogs from 600 meters away. So mm. it's, it's uh, in, in Afghanistan, the Taliban called the ITAS the finger of God. Um, it's, it's the ITAS can see past fog. It can see through smoke. And once you put those track gates on the target, it, it doesn't matter that, that the missile is going to go and hit that target. So it's, it's really the sighting system that makes the weapon, I would say superior. You know, the, when you say tow, a lot of people go, Oh, and they think of the tow from the 1970s, 1980s. I know what they're right. talking about. I know what they're talking about, but the weapon has improved so much and the sights have improved so much it's absolutely bonkers what we can see and if you can see it first you can kill it so i think that's that's kind of the thing the uh there's nothing wrong with those weapons but it's the dark it's the sight it's the sight that makes it so magical so. all right all right you got one opportunity right here right now to switch okay. lives with anyone you want right now, snap. Who are you switching with? I, I can switch lives with yeah. anyone you I want. You can become anyone you want. Well, except me. But anybody else you want, you can switch right now. Boom. <laughs> You're filling their, their, their shoes. I, mean, I, I, I think I, I, I wouldn't mind being in Joe Rogan's body because then I could actually ask good questions. <laughs> We try. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That would be kind of nice to not spread misinformation about, <laughs> you know, weapons and, and systems. That would be great, you know. What are you trying to say? Uh, <laughs> I, so I, I actually listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm not too crazy about the MMA players or yeah. the MMA people. Um, he's Joe Rogan is very good when he has people on, like, like uh, the rock climber that soloed the Dawn Wall. You know, like people who live in extreme circumstances. Yeah. who have done, you know, like David Goggins. Like, you can just listen to that guy talk forever. Um, but when he gets, like, scientific and engineering people, like, it's just, <laughs> you're so out of his freaking league. You know, but then again, if I if I switch bodies with Joe Rogan, you know, the MMA content would probably suck, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a trade-off, either I, way. I should be invited on to Joe Rogan. I'd love to clear up some of the stuff he saw. Well, hang on. I'll make sure I shoot this to him right now. I'll tag him and let him know that. Go ahead, Will. 
Oh, sorry. I was reading that. I was reading the chat. Somebody's going off about uh, Ukrainian Nazis. Um, I have. So this one's going to have a little bit of a setup. Are you familiar? I'm sure you are because you're like a tech guy. But are you familiar with the term white hats? Yeah. Yeah. White hat hackers. Yeah. Yeah. So are you familiar with uh, the uh, the conspiracy that's related around the letter Q? I am familiar with QAnon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, do you know, so Q, they believe, uh, we, we try not to say that full term as much as possible, but they believe that Donald Trump is secretly in charge with a group of what they call white hats, which are generals, uh, intelligence personnel, okay. and, uh, the secretive leaders, and they're actually in control. Um, and Joe Biden is actually a body double because he is no longer alive. Can you confirm that that's a true statement? <laughs> and so it's when so, you said white when you, when you said white hat, I thought of white hat hackers. Which yeah, are like yeah, it comes from the, it comes from the same. Come from the okay. same, yeah. Um, good guys. I think uh, so. I can't confirm that. I don't believe it's true. <laughs> and I'll I'll tell you. So when you look at things like conspiracy theories, yeah, all right, we do all the time. So, why is Harry Potter so popular? I mean, you could say it's good writing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, J.K. Rowling knows how to tell a good story. All right? Sure. But what if the real reason Harry Potter is so popular is that the idea of being a child who has no agency, you know, most children, they don't really have a lot of say in what they do. They get a say in what they get to eat for dinner, right? So what Harry Potter does is it creates a world where a child has this amazing magical power and he does have agency and nobody knows it, but he knows the secret. He knows that the world is full of wizards and dragons and whatever other creatures they had in Harry Potter. Right. And I think that conspiracy theories or even Q, it's a lot like Harry Potter because a lot of people... They just, they don't have agency. They get up, they go to work, they don't, they hate their job, they come home, they watch a little TV, they have a drink, they go to bed. They do it all again the next day, and that's their life. And then yeah. this magical world, world opens up. Magical world of Harry Potter or the magical world of, of Q. And now you get to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. So I think it's, it's very tempting you know, and it's delicious. Just like reading a really good, you know, Harry Potter book. It's, it's amazing to, to, to think that you know the truth. You know the secret. You have the answers. And nobody else knows. Right? It's a lot like Harry Potter. Yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of how that stuff kind of foments. You know, like people, they, they want to be part of something bigger than themselves. I think at one point, maybe church. You know, that, that's what religion Religion was part, you know, bigger than yourself, or the Moose Lodge, you know, or the Grand Elks, or the you know service organizations like the Shriners, the Masons, you know. I think, you know, or CrossFit. I mean, CrossFit is a church, mm. right? right? I mean, it has it has uh, it has its own lingo, right? Yeah, it has its own sacred lingo. It has its own um, building you go to with their own rituals, you know, and everybody there supports you, and you're one of the group, you know. 
So yeah, I, I uh, the more you get into like the logistics of what it would be like to try to, to try to run an organization like that, where generals and uh, President Trump is in charge, that um, that's that's a tough one. That's a yeah. tough one once you start to get the logistics of it. CrossFit, well, people who do CrossFit will also tell you as often as like Jehovah's Witnesses when they show up at your doors. So I, I see, I see the comparison there. I can tell you, you know, I think CrossFit has changed the lives of thousands, millions of people, especially people who are looking for that community. And maybe like there's some people that you know they they can't get, you know, they can't muster the energy to work out, but they know if they go to CrossFit, they're going to see their friends. And their friends are going to, you know, motivate them and they're going to work out. They're going to have a great workout and, you know, they're going to be in that community. CrossFit's a great thing. It's not something I would do, but, you know, I can only (laughs) have so many freaking hobbies. Someone the other day asked me, when are you, you should get into Taekwondo. What was it, Taekwondo? Mm. What's the, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Someone's like, you should get into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Do you want content? (laughs) (laughs) You know, YouTube is already going, algorithm i actually i met with my uh i met so i actually have a youtube agent yeah i'd like to talk to that person because i'm having some issues with youtube right now so if you can put me in content no, i'm just go ahead. so i i actually i have a youtube agent and i had a meeting with the agent it was a couple of days ago and we were able to ask questions and all that and it's what's crazy is that you know <clears throat> there's some people who post content 10 times a day yeah man i got a job <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's. Really <laughs> I think if you're if you're putting out that much content, you know, you're not going to be putting out good stuff. So, uh, sure. All right, all right. Since I post content ten times a day, thank you for that statement. No, just kidding. Uh, let me pull you back to the days of your youth, the days of okay. the excitement where everything was new in your teen years, and here we okay. have your sixth grade science teacher. Hang on, no, just kidding. Um. Tell us the craziest thing you may or may not have done in your years during school. Hmm. We're talking high uh, school or high school or lower. May or may not have done allegedly. Uh, no, I, I, I got statute of limitations on this. <laughs> right. I, I stole a uh, I stole a police dummy. So in this in this town, so in um, uh, the town I lived in. Uh, it was this, this like crappy, like white trash kind of, kind of town, um, Lindenwald, Lindenwald, New Jersey. And, uh, when I, there was a a police dummy that would sit in this one, like it was a police car and the police would put the dummy, it was a mannequin dressed up like a police officer. The police officer, you know, police would put this dummy and a mannequin in a car so that speeders would see the car and slow down. And so one day, like I, I was walking and I noticed the car and I just checked to see if it was unlocked. It was unlocked. <laughs> and me and my friend stole the police dummy. <laughs> mm. And like it was in the local newspaper and all that police dummy stolen, you know. And we eventually this is back for your cameras and all that. We actually brought it to the school, put it up at the school, you know. Like that's that's a good prank, right? Like nobody got hurt. We're gonna bring the dummy back. We'd probably be stealing the police dummy. That was that was probably the big thing. I wasn't a bad kid, you know. Like 
I were, uh, I'm actually kind of dangerous because I was a popular kid and like people would, <laughs> you know, people would follow me. <laughs> and that's always been like a thing. Like I've always been a likable guy, you know, and I, I realized the power of that, <laughs> you know, at one point, like I, I really have to use this for good, not evil, because like, <laughs> like I could start a cult or something. Like, yeah. I don't want people to get hurt. You know? Call it with a K. Let's uh, call it with a K, just so you know. Oh, okay. okay. That's, that's different. Yeah, it's, you're fine with that. Um, d- so this has been asked. Uh, somebody keeps repeating this question, but do you think Ukraine's prepared for winter? No, I don't. You think they're going to be um, hurting this winter? Yeah, I think Ukraine will be, and all of Europe will be. I mean, they they need natural gas. It's going to get cold. Um. They're going to need a steady supply of electricity. I don't know where that's going to come from. Right. Um, I, I think it's going to be bad, but I, I think that the people want their freedom bad enough to deal with it. Um, I think as long as the weapons keep flowing, I think it'll be okay. But I think fuel is going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue for Ukraine and for Europe. That was a just quick shout out. That was a question from Feathers Primal. He was uh, definitely here to hear some of the Ukraine stuff. So I thank you for putting that uh, comment in there. Also, next question. My turn. My turn. Ooh, ooh me. Uh, why did you join the army? Um, the college money. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hate to be that blunt about it, um, <laughs> but it, it was. Yeah, it was the college money. I need. I, I wanted to go to college. Um, you know, my dad. He uh, he uh, ran a warehouse. Uh, uh, sold women's dresses. Well, he didn't sell women's dresses, but he ran a warehouse for a company that, that sold women's dresses. And um, you know, he uh, NAFTA. I don't know if you heard of NAFTA, North American Free yes. Trade Agreement. Yeah, of course. Uh, when I was in high school, like I was just graduating when NAFTA kicked in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad, he had had some, he had been in and out of work for a while, mainly because he, um, <laughs> the funny story too. So I was actually, um, I, uh, my dad uh, pissed off the Philadelphia mob at one point because he was, he would, uh, during the weekend, some stores would call and say, hey, we need dresses. My dad had a white panel van, you know, and he, I would come with him and hop in the van with him to help him help them right help them deliver the dresses six years old like it's 19 it's 1981 i think maybe 1980 1981 so i'm helping him helping my dad right i'm gonna be a warehouse worker like my dad one day right and uh my dad would uh, uh deliver dresses to different places that just needed a couple of dresses that way they'd still be in stock well uh the teamsters found out about that and the Teamsters didn't like that too much. Mm. And at the time, Nikki Scarfo, I believe, ran the Philadelphia mob and the Teamsters. And my dad had a sit down. Well, well, actually, my dad said, hey, son, hey, you want to go for a ride in a truck? <laughs> my dad said the same thing. Yeah. 18-wheeler? Yeah, I want to go. Yeah, go for a ride in a truck. And uh, my dad took me to work and he put me in the truck, you know, and okay. Well, apparently while I was in the truck, I guess he was meeting with whomever from the Philadelphia mob about proper etiquette and respect. <laughs> proper etiquette. 
So I was, so you, I was a you hostage. Were, you I was were a like mob ransom hostage. or insurance <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's, I actually, I asked my dad, like, how, why didn't you fight them? Because, you know, it, they would steal the, the teamsters would steal from the trucks. They would steal dresses. And, uh, there was nothing you could do about it. It was just the call. You, know, you just assume 10% goes to the mob. And I said to my dad, why don't you fight him? He goes, cause, cause then they'll all have a sick out. Fire. Right. You know? Um, it's, it never gets to the point. You know, the mob never killed anybody. They didn't have to. They just made your life so miserable that you just acquiesced. You know, I think that's probably why I hate bullies. Mm. You know, <laughs> when yeah. I look at Russia, they're basically what? What is Russia? Russia is a mob-run gas station, right? <laughs> that's really what it is. It's a mob-run gas station. God, I hate the mafia and I hate bullies. So I don't even know how I got on that subject. <laughs> That's <laughs> I don't remember the original question, but <laughs> the original question oh yeah, it was why I joined the army. Correct. So my dad, because of NAFTA, you know, my dad lost his job after the, uh, you know, because there was the teamsters that start calling out sick, and you know, he just he couldn't run the warehouse anymore, and they fired him. And he, he got different jobs and all that, but by the time, like, he, then he got another job, and by the time I was old enough to go to college, I was graduating from high school, he, he was out of work again because of NAFTA. You know, and uh, in a way, Ross Perot was right. There was that great sucking sound. He could say, you know, all these jobs went to Mexico. He could say, we're going to lose the jobs anyway. But um, that, was, uh, that was tough. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to do computers. So, well, if you can't get money from your father, get it from your uncle, right? So, sure. It was an easy choice. Of course, when my dad, he had been Air Force originally, and then he uh, did Army Electronic Warfare. Um, and uh, when I told him Army Infantry, man, you could have ended the drought with all the tears. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> like, you're too smart for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only going to do it. Well, you gotta do it for four years, right? Yeah, after four, after four. My, I, and just real quick before, I did watch your video when you went um, and and did the test of the ARs, and I remember you carrying the ladder, saying, "Hey, uh, I'm an E uh, seven here. Is there any privates around here?" <laughs> uh, so I did find that's funny. So, all right, I, you know what? Uh, I, that's go on. I was just gonna say, it's strange you brought up uh, the phrase "the great sucking sound." That was Sage's nickname in high school. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Um, a little I didn't bit. Of, even know you knew that. Yeah, and a little bit of college oh, too. A, a little bit of college, but. Uh... <laughs> All right. So, will you, you you want this next? Sure. Um. So one one that was asked in my chat just recently was, uh, what would you say that the uh, so you you uh, you do a good job on your videos and, and very informative. Um. What would you say was the uh, one time that you've been like just completely wrong? And there's a second part to it. Um. Did you have you ever predicted anything uh, that came to pass and you were like, ah, I said that like a week ago that this is going to happen in the war or whatever, whatever type of content you were working with at the time. Um. Yes. So the one thing I was wrong about was paper targets. Um. So when I left the military, and I, it's my fault because I should have done more research on this thing. And instead, I just, I fell back to what I used to do. And that was back in, um, back when I was infantry. Infantry shot, a lot of combat arms people shot a pop-up targets, yeah. which are these Ivans 
these are E-type silhouettes that pop up. Someone shoots at them. If the bullet hits the target, the target falls down. They call them Ivans. They used to have a red star on them. Um, so apparently today, everybody shoots at pop-ups. When I was in, if you were like a non-combat MOS, a non-combat job, you would shoot at paper targets to qualify. The only time I ever shot at paper targets to qualify was, I think, in Egypt when I was doing the EIB, the Expert Infantry Badge in Egypt. It was the only time I think I ever shot at paper. And that was because they didn't have a pop-up range. Um, the other question has been right. I was, I mean, I was right. I've been right about a lot of things. But the last thing that I thought about was um, our Russian artillery barrels. Like, you can't cheat physics. You know, and if you're firing X amount of rounds per day, you know, 2,500 or so rounds, it varies. It could be 3,000. It could be 2,000. Depends on, you know, whether you're firing full charge or not. But artillery barrels are only rated for a certain number of rounds. They periodically have to be reinspected. And then you have to pull them off the line, and then you, you send them to the depot, and you get they get reset. They get a new barrel put on. They add more technology to them, whatever they're going to do. Um, and, of course, you know, I, I mention that, and people say, well, no, Russia can change the barrels in the field in just four hours. Oh. Okay, dude. Like, you know, anything you say, they have an answer to, right? <laughs> yeah, we deal with that one. I was right about that. Uh, and what's crazy is I've, I've had a lot of, oh, and of course, uh, you know, what's what's crazy is how many people, and even like news organizations like NBC, um, not the not the BBC, but a German paper referenced it, a paper in Iceland, papers uh, in South America, they've talked about why Russian tank turrets pop off their hulls when they're hit. So that was that was a big one. I knew I was right about that. You know why that was happening? It's because their ammunition is in a carousel at the bottom of the tank. It's in an auto loader. Yeah. So when the tank is hit, a lot of times those shells they just go straight up and it pops the turret right off. The turret's really not held in by anything. You know, so all that force pops it right off. All right, so. I got here one here from uh, Drew and Drew Heimer. I'm, I'm going to read this like the perfect Coast Guard personnel that I am. <laughs> uh, what? Why did the Gustafa get adopted into more infantry units as opposed to the AT4? Why did the Gustafa? That's what it says. Gustafa. Oh, Carl Gustav. Gustav. The Gustav. I told you, I was Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a good question. It probably comes down to theory of operation. So the Carl Gustav, so wait, wait, the Carl Gustav is almost like the old style bazooka, right? Okay. Where someone puts a round in, they close the back, and it's a recoilless rifle. When you fire it, there isn't a lot of recoil in the back fire it at the bad guy, and they have anti-bunker rounds, they have anti-armor rounds. Um, and it, that's mainly used by the Special Forces and by Rangers. Um, whereas most regular army units use something called the AT-4, which is an anti-tank weapon that has an 84mm um, uh, shaped charge warhead, which is designed to penetrate armor. And uh, they have some bunker buster AT-4s as well. Um, I think the only thing I can think of is that, boy, that is a good question. It could be cost. 
mean, it's it's an expensive weapon. You need a lot of training for it. And boy, you know, I I I don't know. I'm gonna say I don't know. If I if I would hazard a guess, it's because the AT4 is very simple to use and it's cheap, you know. So the other thing is that usually if you're encountering armor, there's at least one guy in your squad who has a javelin. So that is a really good question. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is the army just doesn't think the average squad needs a Carl Gustav weapon. That's that's the best right. I can do. I, I don't know. Um, I can tell you if I had a choice, I'd rather have a javelin than a Carl Gustav. I can reach out and touch someone a lot further away with a javelin than a kind of Carl Gustav. Hey, wh so. While you're on that topic, before we switch again, what about, um, yeah. isn't there a, um, isn't there a, a British one that's called like the Star Streak or something? Do you know anything about that? I've, I've never even seen one, but I heard it's like, it's supposed to be like one of the best. <laughs> um, the name is escaping me right now. It's, I think that is, there is a missile called the Star Streak. Yeah. I don't believe that's man portable. I could okay. be wrong. I could be I too. I just I, I read it in an article and it was like uh, it was like UK's like newest and best and they were sending them over. But I had never. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been in the army in ten years. So yeah, twelve years. I believe years. that's vehicle portable. I don't okay. believe it's man. Of course, anything's man portable if you have enough men, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, even the tow is man portable, right? You're lugging that thing upstairs and setting it up. Um, I'd have to do some research on that. Unfortunately, I can't okay. really answer that question. Do you um do you have a uh, I guess it would just be a guess at this point um uh, but do you have any idea uh, what you think about uh, how many uh, how many Americans potentially uh, went to Ukraine to help out uh, has the uh, has the embassy or anything released any numbers I don't think so I don't think that's something that would necessarily release it's probably in the hundreds you know it's probably not in the thousands it's probably in the hundreds uh, actually you know what. <clears throat> There's probably hundreds of Americans that are there fighting. But I would say there's thousands of Americans there that are doing humanitarian aid. Or they're just married to a Ukrainian woman who, um, you know, and they're doing humanitarian work or, you know, uh, whatever. So it's probably on the order of thousands. I don't have an exact figure. And the, the U.S. You. doesn't keep track of that. We have no reason to. It's not against the law to, to travel overseas and you know and fight in a foreign legion. So I think I know the answer to this one, but this one's from Anton Demark, and I'm going to try to word it. Make sure I don't care. Um, do you know? Do you? Why do you think the administration isn't considering Russia uh, a terrorist state at this point? I don't know. If if they did, probably because there's a level of escalation. Uh, if they did consider Russia a terrorist state, it would actually be very useful because then people could sue Russia. You can't really sue a sovereign nation. Mm. Uh, I was actually going to do a video about that. But once you call someone a terrorist state, then you can sue them. You can freeze their bank accounts. You can do all sorts of neat stuff. So I don't know why, unless there's some kind of political considerations. Because, you know, if, if, um, if I were to give the president a grade... <laughs> I think he would be getting a B. Not a B plus, not a B minus. I think he, he gets a B. And no matter what you think about the president, 
you know, he was a Cold War politician. So I think he gets the whole Russia threat. And I think that he is trying to walk a fine line between antagonizing Russia and getting NATO involved in the war and giving Ukraine the tools they need to win by themselves. Um, and that, that's killed a lot of people, that strategy. Because <clears throat> I tell you, back in July, like people were looking at Ukraine going, you know, Ukraine was looking like Rocky versus Apollo Creed. Mm. 15th round, right? It wasn't looking so good for Ukraine. Um, and uh. if we had cut, if we had cut the supplies off, then there would have been some problems. They still would have fought. I think you would have seen an Afghanistan-type insurgency. Um, if Russia could do a breakthrough, because that's one of the big issues. Is that Russia just doesn't have the troops to to uh, to do a breakthrough. They just don't. They don't have the troops to occupy. They don't have the troops to break through. It's just yeah, they're in a bad situation, man. So. Um, I, I, no, I can't remember the original question. Uh, no, you did. It was actually why, uh, yeah. why the administration didn't isn't considering them a, a terrorist organization. And you, you, you yeah, I, I guess it's because yeah, the, the president just he wants to walk this fine line where he doesn't antagonize Russia so that they escalate. You know, right? Uh, but now I, I kind of think you know, looking at the Russian army, like my God, you got like. You got Poland ready to freaking invade. Right. You got Poland ready to invade Russia if one single bullet crosses their territory. Right. I mentioned this. Back, like, I think the only reason that we are in Poland is to like, hold the Poles back. You know? <laughs> the Poles are like, come at me, bro. Yeah, and and I think like, England is England's you know very you got the whole UK there the whole right that that's so that fine line we if we cross that fine line what does that do so it's it's a dangerous line to cross. Also, I think it's 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 I guess it's a theoretically dangerous line to cross. I think that NATO could could just beat the living crap out of Russia within, you know, but like everybody thought that. Right. Right. Like, you know, everybody, everybody thinks, oh, this war will be over. And, you know, like um, at a tactical level, we could put the hurt on Russia pretty easily. But how do we extract? ourselves from that situation what's the end game if russia activates their reserves mm -hmm. really does conscription number one there's going to be a lot of political problems but if they activate their reserves there could be a problem because then they'll have manpower it won't be good manpower but it doesn't take much to stop a bullet right absolutely so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I All right. guess that would be my answer. Fire away, Will. Do, do you think there's more to, um, so like the Russian ambassador recently to Russia just left it left, right? And he says he was retiring after time, but everybody act really surprised about it. Like even news agencies are acting like it was a big surprise. And then a few days later, they were like, oh, no, it's not a surprise. We knew this. It was a normal rotation. He's just retiring. Uh, do you think there's anything more to the Russian ambassador kind of abruptly leaving Russia? Or do you think it's just like they're now saying that he was just ready to retire and there's nothing more to make of it? You know, I don't know. <clears throat> you, um, I think one of the things that, that you tend to see in, uh, one of the things you tend to see is that people try to read tea leaves 
you know? Mm-hmm. And no matter what you say, no one's going to believe you. So, you know, I, I've gotten... I'm sure you've seen a video of, of uh, Russian tanks on rail cars, so T-62s, like older 1960-era tanks on rail cars. People have said, why didn't you do a video about that? Because like, I don't think it means anything. Right. Until I get, you know, uh, just because someone put a tank on a rail car, they could be moving them to depot. They could have sold a bunch to Syria. They could have just be moving them because they're going to scrap. You don't know why they're moving them. Right. You don't know. So you don't know why this ambassador retired. We'll get another one. <laughs> you know, like someone, someone had. Uh, it was back when Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. Someone on a different podcast asked me a question where they said, like, "Hey, um, well, what would happen if you know uh, someone shoots down Nancy Pelosi's plane?" And I said, "It would be sad, <laughs> but the next day there'd be an election." And there'd be a new uh, speaker of the house. Like that's kind of how America works. We're bigger right. than one person, you know. So right, the ambassador leaves. We got someone else. You know, there could also be some political favor. Like, hey, Mr. President, you know, uh, you said you'd make me Russian ambassador. You know, I gave you that money. Uh, I'm <laughs> waiting. <clears throat> so that, that it, uh, it the, the uh, tanks on rail cars reminds me of. I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times just from being in the military. But every year. When units start training or like new MRAPs come out of Canada or, you know, you, when something's being transported around or the National Guard's going to the training center, everybody yeah. on social media freaks out like we're being invaded by NATO and, and another force and they're taking over and there's going to have they're going to have concentration camps like every year. <laughs> and the same thing when uh, when Robin Sage goes on down at Fort Bragg, oh, yeah. they, they share the post and they're like, look, they're calling it a training exercise. But really, that's this, the special forces are taking over <laughs> every time. All right. Here we got a big fan of yours, big fan of yours. Michael Raker says, hello, Ryan. Enjoy the quickies on Ukraine. This seems like the perfect theater for cyber warfare. While we have heard of some is there a reason that there isn't significantly more yeah it's it's the same reason why forrest gump was such a good runner you know when, when you're getting beat up all the time you know you, you become a good runner right ukraine's in a very dangerous area and um i think they have very good cyber defenses i think that that cyber weapons Cyber weapons were kind of sold. It's like a bill of goods. Like, hey, look, we got these amazing cyber weapons. Well, if somebody else has very good cyber defense, then what have you got? You've got a program that can't run. You know, uh, I also think that that insider, you know, one of the ways Russia operates is called the hybrid threat. And they also do insider threat. <clears throat> That's a big thing. China does insider threat all the yes. time. Like they put insiders everywhere. And, um, you know, if, if Ukraine doesn't exactly have the same hiring laws that we have in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I could easily see people saying, you know what, that guy's Russian, let's don't hire him, you know? So it's probably harder to get an insider threat in Ukraine. And because Ukraine has such good cyber defenses, because they've been doing this since essentially 2014, they've been fighting Russian cyber attacks in 2014, you know, they know what they're doing when it comes to defense. The other thing is that, you know, a lot of military networks are air-gapped. 
And I know people are like, well, you can get on the same frequency as the RAM and you can change it bit by bit. Like, good <laughs> luck. Good luck with that. <clears throat> good luck standing next to a freaking the shipping container where these servers are in while men with guns are outside patrolling. Being there with your laptop, your little Pringles can antenna, trying to change the memory locations bit by bit. Air gap systems are very difficult to penetrate without an insider. So if your radar is air gapped, and by air gap I mean it's not connected to any other network. Right. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, if you have these isolated networks, they're very difficult to get. So, you know, all right. Could there have been a, a cyber attack against the the Ukrainian DMV? All right. Maybe. What does that get you? <laughs> they're already slow. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean just Congratulations, Tavares. We've made them slower by 10 minutes. <laughs> so that's probably why we haven't seen cyber attacks. It's just, there's no, there's uh, there's just, the defenses are too good and a lot of networks are air gapped. Uh, speaking of cyber attacks and air gaps, I was, uh, I was explaining to my audience um, the story the other day about, uh, about uh, the Iranian nuclear facility in Stuxnet, that's like uh, that's like a whole espionage novel in itself, where they where they like infiltrated or got the USB in, and then like seventy five percent of Iran ended up with Stuxnet on their computer. Like it, it was wild. I believe they got the virus in through a printer, a printer buffer. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. It just uh, I guess it should have said it was just some type of USB device. Somehow they got yeah. it in, but. Uh, it doesn't say, but I did read that. That's, uh, people thought they did it with a printer. That's yeah, crazy. The, the Iranians didn't, didn't know what the heck was going on. They turn on their things and the centrifuges started going crazy. You know? Yeah. They had know like seven, seven zero day exploits. Like it was, it was extreme. Like that, wow. That's a, that's a whole crazy story. I could see them in there saying everybody pointing at everybody else. I didn't do it. I didn't touch anything. I didn't touch anything. I just turned it on. Oh yeah, that's got to be terrifying. It's got to be upset. I mean, that was—I would say—that's that was the perfect virus. Of course, now it's loose in the world. Sure. Right. <laughs> but you know, at least Iran doesn't have the bomb. Right. I was wondering why my centrifuges were breaking down lately, <laughs> but um, uh, I do—I do need to put you on the spot a little bit. So no. people are now demanding. Um, they can kind of tell you have a you have a nose or an ear or whatever you want to call for this type of stuff. So why are you not telling us about? the uh, supreme race of lizard people that live in deep underground military bases all over the world. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Well, I, I guess because... You like Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what a lizard person would say. You know that, right? <laughs> um, you know, the one argument I can give to any kind of thing like that is, if any, like, why don't we live underground? Uh, I think it costs 10 times more to dig down than it does to build up. Yeah. You know? So, uh, it's, that's actually one of the, you know, people, people had said that, uh, Ukraine has bio, has 46 bioweapons labs. Like, no, they don't. No. Because <laughs> if you're telling me there's 46 <laughs> level four labs, there's four, there's 45 level four labs around the world. Right. You talk with the expert from uh, Johns Hopkins University on bio, bio warfare. And he said, yeah, there's 45 of them. I even put his phone wow. number on there. You can call him. Perfect. And, Hook me uh, up. I'll get him on. And so apparently Ukraine, uh, there's more bioweapons labs in Ukraine than there are in the entire world. There's more level four labs in Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. And I said, well, you know, if you, if you, if you look at a bio, I showed a bioweapons lab. This is 
Fort Detrick, Maryland. This is where we do biological. We don't make viruses there, but we fight them. Right. I guess in order to fight them, you have to make a couple of them. Correct. Right? You need something to do it, do your stuff against. And I said, look at this generator. There's a generator here. There's a Sally port here. You need a you need generators. You need uh, large tanks full of uh, compressed gas, and you need a Sally port. A Sally port is is like a a uh, 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 an area of entry. Like, so when you you open one gate, you go in. You close that gate. It's like an airlock. And then the other gate. Like opens, when you get arrested. I've never been arrested, but yeah, it would be something <laughs> like that, I guess. Well, anyway, I, I actually, I went to a gun range in, uh, it's called Guntry. It was up in Owens Mills, Maryland. And they had a sally port, you know, when you, you oh, go yeah. in, before you go into the range, that way the, the firing won't, you know, damage your <clears> ears. You have a place to put on your air protection. Um, so I said, like, look, you know, find me 46 sites that have a sally port, you know, generators and, you know, gas tanks for liquefied gas well they're underground i mean you got an answer for everything right <laughs> again it, it, well, they're underground oh, okay all right, you can't, for, you can't make this stuff up, man. All right, for the record, just so everybody knows, that misdirection is exactly what a lizard person would have done. Uh, we might have to question Ryan himself at this point. Um, okay. I've, been re I've been recording all your blinks <laughs> to see if there's any pupil changes. So they we'll live. That out was an after. excellent movie. I'll tell you that. Now I'm gonna watch that again. I'm gonna see if I can rat. They live on Amazon. Yeah, and somehow put it into a YouTube video. Um, all right, so NC says. What tactical and strategic mistakes did Russia make in their invasion, and what would you have done differently if the forces, if the forces available, aside from not invading? So, I wouldn't say they made any tactical mistakes necessarily. Well, they made tactical mistakes. But most of their mistakes came from training. They didn't train their people properly. And fighting wars is hard. Mm -hmm. So I think probably the biggest mistake that Russia made was thinking they could roll in and it would just look like uh, uh, Hungary, Budapest in, in 1968, you know. They just roll in a couple of tanks, everybody surrenders. and But they didn't really prepare their soldiers for combined arms combat. So I, I, tactically, they didn't train enough in combined arms. So, yeah, you know what? Let me back up. I wouldn't say they made any tactical or strategic mistakes. They're, a lot of their mistakes were they came from lack of training. They, they didn't train their people well enough on small arms, on anti-tank warfare, on react-to-contact, because I've seen tanks get hit and the tankers don't know what to do. They didn't train them on react-to-contact. <clears throat> they didn't train them on how to operate as a combined arms team. And I thought by now they would be doing that. They are not. And I, I, it blows my mind that they're still not fighting as a combined arms force. I don't know why they're sending tanks out without infantry support. It just it doesn't make any sense, but they're doing it that way. Um, Hostile, if you want to get straight to tactical stuff, Hostile Airport, I think that was that was a gamble, and they just, you know, the, the, they sent the VDV in there, and the VDV captured the airport, 
they just couldn't hold it. Um, and it was a dangerous mission, and they got jacked up because they never got relief. And they, you know, they thought, all right, look, you're going to send the paratroopers in. We're going to capture the airport. But not only did they not get relief, but they couldn't they couldn't send reinforcements in by air either. That was a tactical mistake. Uh, I'd say pretty much everything out of the north is a tactical <laughs> mistake. Uh, they were much more successful in uh, in the west or in the east, in the south. But that's because, you know, <clears throat> that area of Ukraine looks a lot like Kansas. Mm, and that's okay. like prime country for tanks. And, um, you know, you can't really do ambushes that well. When you don't have wood line, you don't have buildings. That's why the north is just slaughterhouse. You know, you had buildings, you had woods. It's just you had people hiding behind every tree with a javelin or an end log. and every every fifth floor with an end log. It's not a good thing. So, from a tactical standpoint, it'd probably be hostile airport. That was one thing. Uh, and the other tactical mistake would probably be. Uh, Having the Moscow just too close, just too close to Ukraine, and not having air cover for the Moscow—that was another right. thing too. Mm. Yeah, so that's those would probably be the two things that I would say. But yeah, they just shouldn't have invaded in the first place. Or you know, yeah. the other thing. Oh, go on. No, you're good. Finish. Or the other thing would be, uh, you know, the United States has usually had the luxury of time when it's come to preparing for wars. Um, when we were getting ready to fight World War II, President Roosevelt activated the National Guard, put the National Guard on active duty for a year to get them trained up. Uh, when we went into uh, Afghanistan, um, we went in that I don't want to say haphazardly, fairly fast, but we, we always, in the American Army, we have this, it, it's called the band of excellence. You know, we don't have a plateau. And the Russian Army, they have these plateaus. And the conscripts come in, and they're down here, and the conscripts, the old conscripts leave. And then they start training, and they go up, and they do a major exercise. And then, you know, in the next cycle, the conscripts leave. So all of that, all of that uh, expertise walks right out the door. And the United States tends to operate in this band of excellence. So we were able to invade um, uh, Afghanistan with this band of excellence. Iraq, we had two years to train up for that. You know, right. So it's just training, 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 training. And Russia, you know, if they had waited a year and just sunk a bunch of money into training, the situation might be different. I think the Ukrainians still would have fought like wolves. But they would have taken more casualties. I don't really see the outcome being that much different. Um, but they certainly would have taken a lot more casualties. Sure. Um, so you can kind of, I think you could probably combine these together. So, um, one, uh, we heard, I heard from you, but other people have heard from different places that uh, Russia kind of seemed uh, desperate for people, right? They were going into town, so they don't no normally recruit. They were offering bigger bonuses. They were doing shorter terms. Um, it seems like uh, they're they're kind of backpedaling a little bit. And we've heard that Ukraine is more on the offense, uh, offensive now. Do you think that they have with the? Is Russia still recruiting like that? Are they still on the backpedal phase? And do you think Ukraine could have a strong enough push to take back the lands they lost? 
And will they ever get Crimea back? Do you think that you think that's a possibility? It's a lot of questions. I think you. I think Russia is still trying to recruit, and they're having a hard time doing it. Um, I think that if 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 the war goes poorly in the south, and it, it looks like Russia is collapsing, they're in a really bad place on the Dnieper River because they're west of the Dnieper River, and. Ukraine destroyed all of the bridges, so any any supplies are to get across is to get across by boat. And you know, you could be a, a brave soldier, but after a, a couple of missed meals, you start to think, you know what, maybe maybe I don't need to be here. You know? Um I think that Ukraine can take back some land. I don't think they have enough vehicles and troops to take back everything. Crimea, <clears throat> Jesus, they would have to do their own river crossing. And I understand, right. I, I believe, <clears throat> I, I've said this before, uh, attackers take 4% casualties per day, defenders take 2% casualties per day. It, that has been true since von Clausewitz's time, that has not changed. It's a rough number, it might not always be 2% or 4%, but it will be, a, it will be around that. It's a mathematical number you can count on. And to take back Crimea would involve an amphibious operation. And you're walking into a, an area that has been prepared for defense since 2014. Mm -hmm. It's not a situation you want to walk into. The other issue, and this is something a lot of people don't want to talk about, is that there's a lot of people in... In the Donbass region, Donsk and Luhansk, who support Russia. Right, right. And and so, do you really want that back? You, you can. It's very easy to say, yes, yes, I want back all these lands, but there's people there who don't want you there. Right. So... I think that the ultimate end game is going to be Ukraine is going to take back some land and eventually there has to be a negotiation from a position of strength. So there, there's this war, I, I believe that this war is not going to end with Russia signing a peace treaty on a surrender on a battleship. <laughs> right. That's not going to happen. Russia is not going to sign a surrender on a battleship. Right. <clears throat> Ukraine is not going to sign a surrender on a battleship. There is not going to be a winner of this war. Everybody loses. The whole world is lost. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, yeah, everybody loses. But the question becomes, will you have a peace, not a win, but will you have a negotiated peace? Will Ukraine have a negotiated peace from a position of strength or a position of weakness? Right. And that's that's a lot of that's up to the West. How do you want to play this game? Because you can have a victorious Russia that is the, the mafia gas station of the world that's now dictating terms, or you could have, I don't want to say a cowed Russia, but a Russia that's been a little bit humbled, you know, that now kind of knows its place on the world stage and maybe will think twice before they try to do stupid stuff. So that's, that, that's how I kind of see things ending. I don't see a a piece, like a surrender document, you know? Like, I don't see sure. Ukraine taking back everything. They might get things back in the peace treaty um, <laughs> with 
You know, another thing I could see is uh, I could see uh, like a Kurdistan. I could see Donsk and Luhansk become like a Kurdistan slash Sinai Peninsula, where you have a UN mission, and the UN mission patrols the border, you know, in Donsk and Luhansk, and Donsk and Luhansk become these semi-independent territories where they're technically part of Ukraine, but they really just pay taxes for themselves, and you know that kind of thing. That I could I could see. That, right. I think that's another possibility. And there's a UN mission there for the next 40 years. Peacekeeping. Thanks. Gotcha. All right. Just so you know, uh, some of the chat is trying to keep up uh, with toe to toe to you with drinking. Um, and they say, wish them luck. So I'm going to wish you luck to the, to the chat that's trying to keep up. You know, when I started, it was like up here, right? <laughs> Guys, please don't do anything stupid. <laughs> I am a professional. <laughs> All right. Do not so, try this at home, kids. Do not try this at home. Uh, word of advice from my. All right. So here we go. Here's the serious question. Um, you are laying in a hospital. You wake up, and half the uh, people in the hospital eating the other half. It's now the zombie apocalypse, and the world has come to the end of it. What is your weapon of choice? That's a good question. I, I think the first thing I would do is I would light up a cigar because who cares if you're smoking in the hospital? You know? Smoke indoors anywhere I want. <laughs> I've, I've often said, like, if there was The Purge, you know, like, you know, that movie The Purge yes. where you can commit any crime for 12 hours straight, I wouldn't murder anybody. I would go to New York City and smoke indoors. <laughs> Screw you, Bloomberg. <laughs> And drink big gulps. That's what I would do. Big gulps and cigar and smoking indoors. That's how we'd handle that. Uh, what is my weapon of choice? Weapon of choice, zombie apocalypse. Uh, I don't know. It would probably be whatever's handy, and then I'll probably want to get my hands on a silenced weapon. Right. Uh, honestly, probably the best weapon would be a twenty-two caliber uh, rifle, <clears throat> because you can carry a lot of ammunition. If it's the standard zombies where you're shooting them in the head, probably yeah. twenty-two. The silence twenty-two or a suppressed twenty-two, even a regular twenty-two with uh, you know subsonic ammunition would be better than nothing. Um, so it'd probably be a twenty-two caliber rifle. Yeah, that would be probably the ideal zombie weapon. And God forbid I have to fight people. You know, I wouldn't want to get shot with a twenty-two. Wouldn't want to get into a firefight with it either. But nobody's gonna say, "Hey, that's just a twenty-two. You know. Yeah. And that's when I when I actually combed the internet. That was the exact answer of the reptilian people. So we're just we're we're just keeping track. Actually, I had a friend of mine who was who was shot with a twenty two. Uh, you know, he uh, <laughs> this guy this guy he um he was in this relationship and he uh he 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 even admitted he did something stupid. He tried to bash down his wife's door, you know. Because she had locked him out because he was drunk, and she told him, "If you if you come in here, if you come in here, I'm gonna shoot you." And he went in anyway. He came in anyway, and she shot him right in the chest, the 22. Mm. And he fell back on the porch and he hit the fence, you know, or hit the, the porch railing. And he realized he was dying. He lit up a cigarette, having his last cigarette, you know, right there. <laughs> and the police come. And the police officer comes up to him. He sees a little wound. Bullet still, I guess the bullet hit his sternum. Yeah. Police officer just walked up to him, pushed his fingers like that. The bullet fell out like he was popping a zit, put a band aid on it, <laughs> and uh. like brought, him, <laughs> brought him to the hospital in the police cruiser. You know? Nice. 
Yeah. <clears throat> the funny part is that the second guy she married. Wait a minute. What? That's so <laughs> he divorced her and then she got married again. And that guy bought her a pistol. Okay. You know, and those two men were actually friends. Mm-hmm. And like he was saying, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you might be making a mistake. Right? <laughs> um, and then those two got divorced. The second husband got divorced and uh, those two were still friends and they would go to the bar. Cause I meet the, uh, meet the two guys that go at the bar and they talk about her. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know what it was about that woman, but it must've been something. <laughs> you know? Nice. Those two guys who married her would, would get together and complain. <laughs> you know, they wish they were back with her. Next question. Uh, what do you uh, What do you make of is Is this something we should have expected, or is this a big deal? What do you make of the Russia uh, North Korea uh, arms deal, like the the weapons deal that that the media is reporting on? I mean, good luck. Mm-hmm. Um. So, one of the things a lot of people don't understand is that. Weapons decay, explosives decay, and propellant decays. Um, that's one of the reasons why you'll have uh, you'll have um, uh, some missiles when they leave the launcher, they'll plump, you know, smack right down onto the ground, or they'll come out and they'll just explode. Um, it's because you know, even if you expose missiles to heat, or you just leave them on one side for too long the propellant will actually migrate through the elasticizer and it'll build up in one area and you know it'll cause damage to the missile or it won't fly correctly when it when it activates so i think a couple of years ago you guys would have to fact check me on this but a couple of years ago north korea fired some rockets i don't want to say it was 122 millimeter rockets at this unoccupied island in south korea and like, I think they fired like 200 some rockets and only like 70 some or 40 landed on the island or some crazy number like that. And you'd figure like, if they were gonna do a mission like that, like a show of force, you'd figure that that um, the North Korea would, would, give, would shoot their best missiles because they wanna show like, hey, we can reach out and touch you anytime we want South Korea. And then only a certain percentage land on the island. The rest fall in the ocean or they fail to launch or whatever. So that's a, what, 200 rockets and 40. So if it was, that's what, uh, 40 hit, 200. I can't do the math that fast. I think 20%. 20%, right? Yeah. So I would imagine... It's going to be dangerous just transporting these missiles, yeah, or these weapons from Korea over whatever rickety rail system is in Siberia, you know, all the right. way over to Russia, like. And then they put. I, I can just imagine they're putting these things in the launchers and they're leaking and just. Oh my God! Like you don't, you know what? What was the last thing you bought from North Korea? <laughs> you don't really think of North Korea as like a hotbed of excellent manufacturing right yeah i think so the last god thing, knows what the yeah yeah the last thing i think that came out of north korea was like dennis rodman right i'm pretty much getting that that was the last <laughs> thing that we got back from oh, north president, korea <laughs> president trump went to north korea i will one thing that people uh you can say whatever the heck you want to about president trump whether it was good or whether it was bad but i will never forget that he walked into north korea and invited kim to 
walk into South Korea one step and then walk back into North Korea. And that was a hell of a moment. Yeah. You know, like I thought yeah. like at that moment, like maybe we actually can engage with people who hate us and fix things and talk. Um, of course, nothing came out of that. But, <laughs> you know, you got to every journey begins with the first step. Right. Nixon opened China. Right. Correct. Not that that helped. <laughs> ultimately, hey. but maybe they should have stayed closed. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't really see that making a difference. Iran might be a bit of a different story. Because um, I'll tell you, you know, Iran is the arms dealer to Hezbollah. They're the arms dealer to uh, um, uh, the Houthis in Yemen. Uh, they seem to be making stuff that works. I'd be more concerned about Iran, but Iran might not have the production capacity. Mm. You know, and North Korea just may have some a lot of stuff left over. Before we get too far from the missile test, um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you about is what do you make of the, um, um, do you think it's anything or a show of force or just normal? The We fired a, uh, a ICBM, one of the Minutemen 3, in a test fire a few days ago. Um, yeah. Was that like a show of force or we just, it was a regular well, we scheduled event or what do you make of it? Yeah, we do that about three times a year from what I, from what I remember because remember, fuel does what? Dies, decays, decays. So we gotta, we have to launch these things periodically, and we have to build new ones periodically to replace the ones we launched. We just take the warheads off, refurbish them, put them on a new one. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, and uh, something like that. When you're gonna fire a Minuteman, I will practically guarantee you. I actually want to do a video about this. I gotta contact the Air Force to see if I can actually do a video about how they shoot missiles, how they shoot ICBMs. Um, but when you, um, when you Something like that, you would figure the Air Force probably has a contest and they find the best missile air crew, you know, right. and they, they'll take that crew and be like, you're the ones. And they because they're going to gather data on the tests and all this stuff, it's that thing is probably planned out two years in advance, you know, and they get the best crew from Minot Air Force Base and they send them out there to to Vandenberg and they fire the thing and everyone gets a coin or, an, or you know, uh, mm -hmm. whatever the Air Force equivalent of an AM is, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's probably pre, that was probably pre-planned two years ago. Yeah, I think that's what most of the news outlets said. It was, it was long before anybody even thought about Russia. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go back to the Coast Guard guy again. These guys will kill me. Um, question from uh, Wilmer, and I'm not going to go with the last name. We're just going to go with Wilmer. Uh, do you think the dual counteroffensive will be maintained and see success, or do you think after the Russian relocated forces, uh, they will limit the danger, the damage? They'll limit the damage. The dual counteroffensive will be maintained. Uh, so all offenses, all offenses die out eventually, right? I don't think we're going to see Ukraine move all the way to, to, um, to, uh, Donetsk, um, the city. Um, I mean, if Russia has forces to spare, but then they got to get them across the river and boy, I don't know the, um, the scary thing to me, and I, I don't say scary, but I, 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 I've said on multiple occasions that Russia is not going to use tactical nuclear weapons. If you take away, just put in a box, just take your morals 
and just put your morals in a little box. Mm-hmm. Close the lid. If you do that, if you're able to take your morality and put it in a box and take the consequences and put it in a box, using tactical nuclear weapons against mass armored forces is a textbook reason to use a nuclear weapon, a tactical nuclear weapon. Right. If Russia did that, you would see the advance halt immediately. Because they'd be dealing with a lot of second injured people. A lot of dead second injured. Um, I don't see this offensive. I don't, say, I don't see it going that far, but I see them going far enough that they cause additional dilemmas for Russia. I see them going far in the south. And then when Russia moves their forces to try to counter that, then they go at it in the east again. (laughs) Like One thing Ukraine is so darn good at, it's shaping the battlefield. I've never seen anything like this. You know, by shaping, I mean, they're, they're really good at setting the conditions for the next thing. Really good at that. And that's something we even... Well, I'd say we have trouble doing, but we we never really had to set the conditions. Like when we're invading uh, <clears throat> Iraq, we didn't have to set the conditions. We just bombed the crap out of them until we pushed through. You know, I guess that's setting the conditions. Um, so I, I mean, I see them advancing far enough to force Russia into a dilemma. Remember, what's the difference between a problem and a dilemma? Problem has a solution. Dilemma has two or more solutions, each of which are equally bad, right? So now Ukraine forces Russia into a dilemma. Do I reinforce the South and stop their advance? Or do I, you know, stay in the East and let Ukraine advance in the South? That's that's a dilemma. So I can see that attack going forward until Ukraine wants it to stop so that then they can attack in the East. I see that happen. Sure. Um, if you're not going to give away uh, without without giving away your lizard overlords, because um, clearly you've drawn a hard line there. But um, how I much? Agree with that. How much would you estimate that U.S. intelligence assets are assisting uh, Ukraine troop movements on the ground, or st- strategy, or whatever? My, my guess is they're doing it every day. There's probably a, a hotline between Washington. You know, if, if Ukrainian soldiers aren't working out of the Pentagon, I'd be very surprised. They, they're probably feeding AWACS, you know, the, uh, the airborne warning. You know, they, we have airborne radars that fly above the battlefield. Not above the battlefield. They're flying outside. They're probably in the in the Black Sea. They're flying over Poland. But I, I have almost no doubt in my mind we're feeding Ukraine intelligence. Yeah, you know, it's probably how they're getting all of their uh, targeting information for their HIMARS rockets. One of the ways they're getting it. They're not using open source sure. intelligence. Well, oh, oh, since you just said that, someone did ask if you could explain um, open source intelligence. I tried to in the chat, but I don't know if it related well. Um. Yeah, open. So there's there's many different kinds of intelligence. You have human intelligence, signals intelligence, uh, um, ELAND electronic intelligence. So human intelligence is you know you're talking to a refugee, and the refugee says yes, 
the insurgents forced us out of our village, and our village is 10 miles down the road. And then Elint, electronic intelligence, is you, you put up you know, radio receivers and you listen for you know, the bad guys transmitting radio information. And then SIGINT, the signals intelligence, is taking that, that uh, radio information and decoding it and figuring out what they're saying. Well, O-Center, open source intelligence, is taking a look at open sources. You're not dealing with humans. You're not dealing with spies. You're not dealing with inside information. You're just taking a look at uh, open sources, either from the media or from video or from audio or from satellite. And you're taking all that information and you're drawing conclusions uh, based on, well, I would say reality and strategy and physics. (laughs) Right. So you take these open sources and you plug them into things like, all right, how do humans behave? Or from a physics standpoint, how long does it take to get from this location to this location? And then you can draw conclusions based on that. So that would be open yeah, source intelligence. Could be as easy as just Googling, <laughs> you know. It, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, right. There's a lot of people who teach you how to like use open source intelligence to figure out like maybe you're fixing to have an interview and you want to know who's going to be interviewing you or uh you want to you want to know if somebody's following you or how long it would take to drive from here to there if they were doing something nefarious and it could be as so, easy as google um look at uh you can look at stuff like boots all right so how do we know how i think i believe the the actual amount of russian ground forces is about two hundred thousand in their ground forces now people like to say oh the russian army is 1.2 million it's two hundred thousand in the ground forces i'm not counting the guy who's a cook on a tugboat you know <laughs> Um, so how do we know that? Well, there's a couple of ways, right? So human intelligence, we probably have people in the Russian army who are on the payroll, right? Who are on the CIA payroll and they periodically send us copies of new conscripts that are coming in. So that's one, one way of doing it. Another way of doing it would be to use open source intelligence satellites and look at the training grounds. Right, how many barracks did these guys build this year? Was there a sure. refurb on these barracks? Are they having formations in the morning? All right. A third way of doing it would be to look at contracts. All right. So 200,000, say, a certain number of conscripts get brought into the Army every year. Um, contracts for things like boots. Every sure. soldier gets two pairs of boots. So there's a contract out for 400,000 pairs of boots. All right, 400,000 pairs of boots for one year. That means they're probably inducting in X number of soldiers because every soldier needs two pairs of boots. That's another way to use open source intelligence to figure out how many people are in an army. Mm. So, uh, back during the uh, Crimean invasion or takeover, whatever you want to call it, uh, there was a lot of people that were just using social media, Russian soldiers posting all over social media and and grabbing signs out of the background or known um, known intersections to see yeah. like where people were at and what was moving. Like that, that was a big thing back then they were posting, like I'm sure they are now too. I just haven't, uh, I haven't looked into it, but back then they were posting everything they did on social media. Hmm. Yeah. I actually, I had a guy email me today and he had this idea for creating some kind of AI software that would help leaders with decisions about like where enemy troops would go and stuff like that. And I said, we already do that. Not AI. <laughs> right, like, right. I mean, did you ever watch Saving Private Ryan? You know, there was that scene where the sniper was looked up at the clock tower, the church steeple, and goes, that's where I'd be. Right. 
like, I don't need AI to tell me that. Like, you know, we all get the same training. You know, you just got to think like the enemy. All right, well, I'd be up there. That's probably where the enemy's going to go. You know, where's the enemy go? The enemy goes to the high ground. Right. So would I, right? But uh, if you can have AI that comes things like social media or still, I am, I am shocked. People have their private cell phones in the Russian army. It is, it is just a recipe for disaster unless they just need to use them for communication. Right. You know, like now when we go to NTC, you know, apparently people are told don't bring your cell phones. But then when officers don't bring their cell phones, they're like, I, I couldn't get in touch with you. Why didn't you have your cell phone on you? Mm, exactly. All right, Absolutely. so I've got I've got a question for you. Uh, actually, two questions. So, so there's a question and a follow up question. Do you carry? Uh, do you carry? Uh-huh. Uh, every and an everyday carry. Uh, Caltech PF9. And before the and that was obviously before the boating accident when you lost it in the in the water. Uh, but besides that, if you could only pick one handgun, shotgun, rifle, which would you which would you pick? You can only pick one. If I could only have one gun, it would probably be a twenty-two rifle. Twenty-two rifle. What else am I gonna going do back with, to that. with the zombies? Exactly. We're going back to the zombies. <laughs> Again, um, all of I, these. I, I love my Beretta. I, I have a Beretta 92 FS. Um, I was actually, I went shooting um, the other day. Well, I, I told you about that. I went shooting yeah. at, at Guntry in uh, Owens Mills, Maryland. And, uh, you know, I, I, I shot a, a, a SIG... Uh, P320, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it felt like I was cheating on my wife. Um, <laughs> like I have a Beretta Yamaka. Like that's that's how much you know, I like Berettas. Um, I, I I would love to get an APX. I used to have a CX4 Storm. I got. I used to own. I had 13 guns at one point when I lived in New Jersey. I had 13 guns. When I moved down here, I was like. The only thing I ever shoots my my uh, my Beretta 92 FS, so I got rid of like everything, and plus it right. helped fund the move and all that, you know. And then the uh, I got of course rid of everything but my my Beretta and my uh, well, I had like four Berettas, but I got rid of everything but my Beretta and my Celtic. Yeah, and I'm and sorry to hear about uh, the the boating accident. I'm sorry to hear about that. Uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, besides the song Sea uh, Bat. Uh, which I'm sure you're a fan of. What is on your ultimate love-making playlist? <laughs> All right. So I don't know what Seabat is. Um, but you know what? Believe it or not, I um, I actually do not like music. I know that's going to come as a shock. I do not like music. I don't listen to music. I, uh, wow. I, when, I go, when I do a marathon or I do a half marathon... I'm usually listening to a podcast or an audiobook. Wow. Uh, and I know I know how that sounds, you know, because I've gone out with, with girls and they go, like, you, you don't listen to music? I'm like, no. There was, there was someone, I, I think I've been to two concerts in my life. The first concert, my dad actually took me to see Michael Jackson because he got tickets through work. Mm. So I saw Michael <laughs> Jackson in, like, 1984 or something. And then um, I think I saw... Right down the street at the Fillmore Theater, I saw a postmodern jukebox because there was a little girl who wanted to go. I'll go. Yeah, but I'm sorry to to burst your bubble with that question. I actually do not listen to music. Uh, I mean, I can rap like DMX. You know, Hit that's it. Pretty easy. Hit it. But you're, you're welcome to. 
You're welcome to do it right here. Use some DMX. Boom, boom, boom. Open the door. ATF. Too late to send my girl downstairs. Say left. You know, I laced the floor at the house. Crack the safe. Grab the balls. You know what you're going to do? Beep callers. Two blocks over the tall black fence. I keep the hoop and pop in situations like this. <laughs> I mean, I can keep going. So I. <laughs> Oh, here is Free you drunk. What you trying to do, my ninja? Trying to stay alive, yeah. Cops in the car, stay low, trying to cruise by. Who the heck could have snitched? Must have been the new guy. Um, so when I was in the military, wow, my wow. yeah, people used to call me MC Birth. This one, uh, I, I could just drop DMX. I, um, I think a lot of my taste in music essentially stopped in the year 2000. You know, like I, I didn't listen to anything new. I haven't listened to anything new since 2000. Uh, but I, I have a pretty good memory, so I can remember almost everything I have listened to, at least lyrics. And uh, it was, uh, it, it had to have been, I think we were at like a chain of, change of command ceremony or something. And I was told to stay behind to uh, pack up some chairs. And um, this is going to go. I go was, ahead. I was go ahead. I, can. Pack, I was packing up the chairs, and uh, when we were done with the chairs, I was t- getting hitching a ride back to the barracks with this guy Turner, and he put in a DMX CD. Um, what was it? Oh my God, I can't remember the first one. The "It's Dark and Hell Is Hot," and ATF came on, and I had never heard an East Coast rapper talk like that. <laughs> Because usually East Coast rappers are all about making it, you know? All, East right. Coast is all about yeah. making it, and West Coast is all about, you know, gangster life. Taking it. Then yeah. DMX rolls up there. You know, I think, I think that was around the time when that, that song from Shaggy, It Wasn't Me, that was popular. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, DMX would be like, yeah, it was me! <laughs> <You know? laughs> be like DMX. You know, your girl catches you cheating? It was me. but i i heard dmx i heard atf and it was the most amazing song i'd ever heard he constructed this whole narrative and uh i became a fan of dmx after that and i i would only i would rap i would sing dmx soldiers would think it was hilarious uh i would just have to change one word i would always change one word right i have no right to say that other word Uh, (laughs) right i never screwed it up I never screwed it up. That's um, good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I, I guess oh. yeah, I, I don't think I'd have a love making playlist to DMX. You know, <laughs> I shot uh, the bitch in the face. Let us pray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just for just for clarification, Seabat is this really, really, really weird song. You need to look it up when you get off this interview. All right. It's a really weird, horrible song. It doesn't sound good. The the guy, the artist who made it made it as a joke on like what the uh, like EDM and electric music okay. was doing at the time. But there was a Reddit poster that went viral because uh-huh. it was he said it was his favorite song on his lovemaking uh, playlist because he started using it to get rhythm down when he first started, uh, you know, experimenting with the ladies. You know what? You, and after two years with his girlfriend, she finally told him she hated it, and he released it. And everybody's everybody's been talking about the music. You're, yeah, you, uh, you're gonna have to Google it. It's the, the we can't even explain it to be completely honest. Just Google some of it and just let it go. Let, let it go. Oh. Uh, I think it's your turn. I think uh, I got him to do DMX. Let's see what you can do. No, I asked him to see that. I got him to do DMX. <laughs> oh, you did that? All right. Yeah. Um, 
You're behind. I'm behind. <laughs> All right, so let's do this. Um, it's eight months in the future. You just stopped at a gas station. Uh, you filled your tank up. It cost you $372. Uh, you grab a lottery ticket. You scratch it off, and you win big money, baby. Big money. Maxing it out. Millions. What's the first thing you buy besides paying for the gas? Hmm. Well, I have a Tesla, so that wouldn't happen. Mm. But I could, I could mm. always stop at Wawa, and I'm charging my Tesla, and I buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, we'll do that then. Um, I think I would like to buy a, uh, I'd like to buy a condo on South Beach in Miami because that that place is like heaven to me. Mm. It's going to be underwater. Mm. Um. Uh, yeah, not in my lifetime though. Yeah, that's I, true. I too. got forty <laughs> years left. Do you? Okay. Maybe. Next guy's problem. That's the next guy's yes. problem. Yes, it's the next guy's problem. <laughs> Probably a condo in Miami, um, and I—I I actually I would buy a gas guzzling car. I would buy an all-white with white interior Toyota 4Runner. I think they are the most beautiful SUVs. Um, yeah, probably that. I know it's 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 a very uh, probably the first thing I would buy would be the condo in Miami, South Beach. Mm. And, uh, I, I go to Florida about four times a year. Yeah, probably that. Um, it, I know you're, a, I don't know what type of programming you do, uh, but someone asked me the other day, have you ever worked on any, um, apps or programs or something, uh, that you can say that, uh, that someone would recognize either we've used or we might recognize or know about it or, or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, so I mainly do programming in a language called C sharp. And another language called SQL, SQL, which is a database programming language uh, or structure query language. Uh, so I mainly do C sharp and SQL. And usually C sharp, I use something called um, a Web API, um, which uh, uses uh, calls from your computer to another computer to pull down data or send data. Um, That's how our alerts thing, work on the stream. Yeah. Uh, get in post. Um, so one of the things, what if you've used anything, you probably, if you worked in the surveying industry and you used a Carlson Explorer 2, my Bluetooth stack is in that Carlson Explorer 2. It's this oh, wow. red and orange handheld device um, <clears throat> that uh, I still see it. I'll be driving down the road, there'll be a surveyor of the Carlson Explorer 2 because it's a very recognizable thing like, hey, that's my bluetooth stack in there you know um so that would be it and uh if you've been paid if your payroll has been done by a company called sage <laughs> i uh i probably had a hand in doing your payroll at one point in time or another so, oh wow yeah those two things mm, that was interesting i figured you'd be like no it's just it's stuff you would you wouldn't recognize but i've actually seen the carlson explorers i used to do um uh, well, I've done a lot of shutdowns, but I used to do uh, new uh, power plant sites, like when they go out and build them. And I've actually yeah. seen them running around with them. I don't know what they do, uh, but I've seen the survey crew out there because I was a millwright. So we have to do like every flange and every location. And we yeah. have all these brass pucks in the concrete that give you uh, what your elevation is from that puck. And yeah. it was a mess, but um, I've seen them running around with them. Huh. All, right. all right. So here's another reading by an ex Coastie. Uh, how many of the 200,000 ground forces are frontline compared to admin and logistics? And what percentage of the troops in Ukraine are combat troops? 
uh, did I say 200,000? It's probably more like 400,000. Um, the, so I believe, cause I did, I did a video on this. I believe the tooth to tail ratio of the Russian army is one to 1.1. 1. 1. Um, that is, that means that for every one soldier that is fighting, you have 1.1 1. 1 soldiers who are supporting that soldier trucks, logistics, fuel, um, medical care you know, that kind of thing so i would say it's one to 1.1 so there should be roughly a hundred and sixty thousand ish troops fighting in Ukraine, russian federation troops fighting in ukraine right now uh along with fifty thousand ish uh donsk uh, or, uh donbass militia types um i don't know how well the militia is supplied i don't really know what their logistics are like uh it's probably less than 1.1 because when you figure if you're a militia you're probably fighting close to your home i wouldn't be surprised if people go home at night kind of like they do in syria or uh, like people did in bosnia and serbia you know you just you hand off your rifle to the other guy and you go home you know to eat and, and go to bed um, but I would say 1 to 1.1, 1. 1. so roughly for every one combat soldier. So there's probably about it's probably about uh, 80,000, a little over 80,000 non-combat personnel in, uh, in the uh, area of operations. And that was from NC again. Thank you for the question, NC. Okay. Um, boxers, briefs, or magical Mormon Jesus panties? <laughs> I wear boxers. Okay. I actually wear, I wear smart wool boxers. I have two types. I have the uh, Tommy Hilfiger boxers, and I have smart wool boxers. The smart wool boxers are for everyday wear. The Tommy Hilfiger boxers are for when I'm going out on the date. Mm. Oh, wrong, wrong. Yeah. wrong. We, when you when you actually asked out um, your, your date there did, before you even knew who she was, which were you? Which ones were you wearing? Do you think that was the problem? Uh, maybe I was wearing the. I was probably wearing. No, I actually was wearing nice underwear. Yeah, that, that can't be um, that. We'll have to go with something else. All right. So my question is: dangers of TikTok. Mm -hmm. What are they? Um. Besides, so, you can't get to take your eyes away in your addictive nature that it just keeps going and going and going. Uh, but the other dangers of TikTok, because Will so, we, Will might be addicted, and we're trying to help him pull away from his addiction of TikTok. So without a doubt, Russia, or not Russia, without a doubt, China is pulling down that information and storing it in a database and they're using facial recognition, location recognition. Um, and, um, you know, when you think about things like deep fakes, really, they're just building a database that they can use later for whatever purpose. China's very good at that. China's very good at long-term thinking. You know, let's collect all this information information on people and 20 years from now when the person who was TikToking at, at 13 is now mayor of a town someplace you know now they have some intel on that person and they might be able to influence that person to do one thing or another <clears throat> or even make a deep fake of that person so we don't sure. know what china's gonna do with the information just, just assume the second you put anything on TikTok, china's taking that information and doing something with it that's great. Will, you're going to have a deep fake of you out there doing various things. Um, that could be bad. Um, as long as they don't mess with my OnlyFans income, I think I'll be all right. 
That's what I'm. That's what I'm thriving <laughs> off of. I know because you just got your music going. All right, go ahead. Um. So you don't listen to music. What is what? What would you say your favorite podcast or a podcast you would recommend to somebody? Um. Honestly, I'd recommend Joe Rogan. <laughs> at least, at least the good episodes where he talks to people who live in extreme uh, conditions. Um. Uh, yeah. That's. Um. There was. Uh, oh my God. Uh, Dan Carlin has a good podcast. You know, if you're on a long car trip, Dan Carlin, he write, he has a podcast called Hardcore History. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty good podcast. Um, there is another podcast. It was kind of a one-off, and it talked about Theranos. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're ever interested in seeing how a company like Theranos defrauded investors, just definitely listen to the, uh, I think the Theranos podcast was called Bad Blood, I think. I'd be wrong about that, but any Google Fairness podcast will probably come up. So those would be those the the three things. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks like constantly. You know, if I'm in the car, I'm listening to an audiobook. Um, or if I'm running, I'm listening to an audiobook. You know. So, last book, actually, last uh, audiobook I read was the fifth book in the Expanse series. I don't listen to fiction a lot, but give the expansive past uh the last book that i read was um it was called uh thud ridge or um sorry oh when thunder rolled and it was uh, a biography of an f-105 pilot in vietnam when thunder rolled and you want to talk about a hard time i thought it was bad when i rolled out of the gate these guys were in vietnam flying the f-105 thunder chiefs they got shot down once every 65 missions. Ouch. And some of the missions they sent these guys out on were like, hey, there's 50 oil drums. So we're going to go out with two bombs per plane because there was actually a bomb shortage in 1964. (laughs) And the Air Force is in a competition with the Navy to drop more bombs, do more sorties. So uh, they, they would fly out to bomb a couple of oil barrels, you know, on the side of the road deny the enemy petroleum who knows if they're empty you know so you're flying all that flack just for you know so someone could check the box and say okay we, we hit this oil drum you know facility like crazy but when thunder rolled that was a good book i should do a video series on like books that i've read should like sure actually i had i have a quick question did you get your beef jerky out of germany oh god I, uh, so <laughs> So one of my boxes, they took the, the Germans opened it up and they took out the beef jerky. And they, they probably uh, confiscated it, right? Um, and I, I believe the package is in Poland and it's on its way to the intended recipients. Nice. Awesome. So nice. I think one is. I think the other is still stuck in Poland. All right. Just, it, I know that was a, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to my last interview and you can hear the whole story about how he what the goods that he sent over to Ukraine. Uh, some made it, some were confiscated. Um, yeah, probably, I should probably, yeah, the, the freaking the laser sights, and the binoculars, <laughs> those were fine, right? The beef jerky, oh, can't be sent that, that can't, could kill some, yeah, that could be dangerous. <laughs> um, all right, so Chris Collins basically wants to ask a question, and his question is, what different environment types have you? Uh, have you had combat training in, and which one would be your preferred environment to fight in? I'd like to fight in South Beach. 
Uh, <laughs> Over a condo. I'm fight anywhere, dude. Yeah. I, I, um, that's a really weird. Like none of it's good. Let's say training. Like, Which uh, one is your best favorite to train in? I don't know. Probably be woodland. You know, it's just you know, at least there's shade. <laughs> like I mean, I've done, I've done desert training, urban training, woodland training. Um, I think it's the only one that I really haven't done was Arctic. You know, but we have special units that do that in Alaska and in uh, Port Drum. Um, it was never like beach assault or anything like that or any kind of. I actually did water survival training. It was actually kind of cool. You know, you learn how to make a raft out of like, you know, like if you're in the water, you can actually make a raft. You take off your pants, you know, and you can make a raft out of your pants by like splashing water into it and tying it around your neck. It's really weird. But I tried to explain that you know? once to somebody. She's a female. Yeah. It didn't work, though. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, didn't work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to fight anywhere, but at least in the woods, you know, you have places to hide. And woodland is, is kind of nice. Urban, urban just scares the crap out of me. On the offense, it scares the crap out of me. On the defense, it can be kind of nice because you can have all sorts of fun little, fun little uh, surprises with people. But I don't know. I guess if I had to pick a place, it'd be you know in the woods. But that, you know that's where you do all your training because it's cheap, right? There's plenty of it. You know, you don't have to build mm -hmm. a special area and just go out where the trees are. Absolutely. Um, I've my last one, but uh, I, I'm actually working on a project that you might be interested in uh, if you like yeah. to tinker and stuff. And I know you like to program. Um, but have you uh, have you seen anything about? Um, there's a couple different competing ones, but it's uh, using 3D printers and um, FPV cameras, like uh, first person view for like a, a drone. And they're making uh, open source uh, NVGs. Have you seen that? Have you seen that project that's going on and people are talking about it online? I think I have. I think S2 Underground did something about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've heard of that. And it's it's probably a lot cheaper than buying a PBS 14 on the, you know, on the open market. They're like, they're still like 3000 bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a lot um, cheaper than that. I have a I have a couple 3D printers that we use for the show and talk about different uh -huh. things and print stuff and. I'm working on the cases right now. Hmm. I haven't heard of that, but that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, night vision, when I first joined the military, night vision was, you know, the one per squad. You know? One per squad. And then, like, by the time I rack rolled around, every person had their own nods. And that, that is such a force multiplier. It's freaking crazy. Uh, so, yeah, it's like cheating when, when you have them and the enemy does it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge difference. Uh, not just that. You, you take that and you use a pack four, right. which is the uh, it's a laser. Well, uh, it has a laser, but it also has infrared uh, laser on it, where you can designate targets, and you know every person gets a different shape. So one person might have a crescent, one person has a cross, one person has a circle, another person has a square, one person has a triangle. So you know, all right, well, Bravo team has a square, Alpha team has a triangle. You know, hey, Alpha team, fire on the triangle. You know, it's just, oh, my God. How anybody thinks they can mess with us is just beyond beyond me. <laughs> so I have uh, I have two quick questions, uh, both of them on completely different things. First topic, uh, flat earth or round earth? I believe it's a round earth. Mm, you, you would be wrong, and a reptilian would say that. All right. Uh, the other one would be Steven Crowder or Dan Bongino. 
I don't know who either of those people are. I'm Perfect. Sorry. That's that's a good answer, actually. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that being said, I, I think I've round up mine, and, and uh, I he, yeah, where I had you for two hours. So do you have any more there, Will? No, that was that was uh, my last one too. I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. I I really like your work. Uh, I, I check out all your videos, um, and I introduce my audience that. to them. So I appreciate the chance to talk to you. That that airborne video I just did, you know, I was actually really surprised. It doesn't seem like a lot of people like it. Like it, it wasn't hasn't been getting the traction my videos normally get. And I have as, no idea why. Someone did ask me. That just reminded me. Someone did ask me. Did they? Did they offer to? Uh, I'm sure it's a huge uh, insurance issue. But did they offer to let you static line or, or no. uh, you know, tower jump airborne. or anything like that? No, I was never airborne. I someone else wore a GoPro camera. Um, okay. I would totally do it. Uh, I would have to go to the school. I don't. I don't know if I can because of my. Mm, arm. That's right, your arm. Like you need to be able to do seven pull-ups, I believe. I could probably do the run and all that, but I don't know if they send civilians through airborne school. Maybe they're like CIA or State Department or something. Yeah. But, I, um, I have you know, like, no doubt they would offer, if they went up there, they'd offer to throw me out of the plane. I guarantee that, but I don't know if that's part no, of it or anything. It's it's not the jumping so much, although exits are a thing. It's the landing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think most of the school is how to do a proper parachute landing fall. I was never airborne. It's just, that's just not how it sure. worked out. It was always lighter mech. You know, it's just, it's just the way that the dice rolled. Um, I would totally do it. I didn't even do it like a tandem jump. You know, I, I, sure. I, I have this, I would love to, uh, I was actually thinking the other day, like, man, if they sent like a unit over to Poland or something, I would love to be like a, embedded reporter you know see if i could take six months off from work you know get oh, to wear the be... little blue press you know yeah. body armor and the little blue helmet you know press on it that would be kind of neat to be the first youtuber that's covering you know the first embedded youtuber that would be pretty cool. yeah let us know we'll hook up your stream and we'll stream we can help stream for you and set the background all up you let us know if we, we'll get you over there no problem but I, I do want to thank you for coming on again, and I, I love Absolutely. your work, and I enjoy the you know the going back and forth with a little bit of comedy, a little bit of little lightness, and 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 doing that. I don't think anybody kept up. If they did, they probably passed out because the chat has started to die down. So we might have lost a few on the way there, Ryan. Thank you for that. Oh, passed um, out. Yeah, so I, I got a couple it's, it's that. It's not a race. It's a marathon, <laughs> not a sprint. But yeah, is there anything uh, you want to finish up by saying to the to the fans? Uh, thank you so much for being a fan. Thank you so much for watching my videos. You know, if you have any questions or like a video, you can find my website. Send me an email. I'll try my best to uh, to cover that content. Yeah, and if uh, Mod, if you could drop his uh, link in there real quick before we go. By the way, I love the way you train. When is your next Ironman? We kind of avoided that subject. When's, when's your next Ironman? Uh, are, you, are you got one planned already or one on the calendar? So the next, I'm not doing another Ironman this year. Um... What I normally do is I, I split it. So this year I'm doing a, a marathon. And I've never done okay. a full Ironman. I've only done half Ironman. Well, actually, I've oh, only okay. done one half Ironman. Um, I've run, I don't know how many half marathons. But I have a full marathon coming up this year in November, the Space Coast Marathon. I've actually invited fans out to, to uh, uh, the Space Coast in Melbourne, Florida to do the race. They want to race with me. They don't have to do the full marathon. They can just do the half if they want to. I'm not going to make it like, do a full marathon. 
Um, but my next race is in sometime in November. I forget when. So we'll be at the Space Coast Marathon in November. And then, I don't know, maybe in the summer I might do an Ironman. It's just so much freaking time. Is two Ironmans a full <laughs> Ironman? Can you do two halves to make a full? <laughs> is that I, I don't think it works like that. No? You know, I, what's, what's funny is that the, um, you know, I, I've done one. I've only done one full marathon. And, you know, afterwards, you are just so spent. You are just okay. so spent. And, um, you know, the crazy part about a full marathon is that the halfway point, a marathon is 26 miles. Mm. A, the halfway point for a marathon isn't mile 13. It's mile 20. Because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about when you start going, you know what? I, I want to I wanna end this. You know, like I right. don't want this to be over. Uh so I, you know, the last time it was last year, I did a half Ironman, and at the end of it, I was just dead. And a lot of it was that I wasn't in taking salt when I when I was on the bike. I reach in. You aren't. You're not allowed to litter on an Iron, in an Ironman race, so you can get disqualified if you litter. Wow. So I was coming up to a to a, a, a water point, and usually you just throw your trash at them, you know, and they'll pick it up. And I reach into my pocket to get my trash which is like gels and you know, gel packets and stuff. And I actually pulled out my salt tablets with <laughs> my salt tablets. And I saw the salt tablets arcing through the air. I'm like, oh, this is going to mm. suck. <laughs> oh, my God, it sucked. It was, I just could not I just could not get enough electrolytes after that. You know, yeah. I was cramping in my calves. You know, it was, the, it was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. Yeah. I'm I finished, though. I'm surprised you know? no littering. There's no way you could do an Ironman in San Francisco. Um, basically then I, I think we'll wrap it up here and I want to thank you for coming on and, and doing this show and, um, Ryan McBeth, like I said, I'll figure out another a skit to do in a couple months and we'll do the same thing again. Um, something in more, you know, uh, Ryan McBeth ish. I can figure something out. Um, but that being said, I'm going to wrap it up here. Will, you got anything left? No, man. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Yeah. You want to, how, how many people were on? Uh, I had at one point about. 280, uh, which is okay. big for me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 and I want to thank everybody for subscribing and everybody that's clicked that button. YouTube has got me in a shadow ban. They don't want me getting out. I've been putting out some stuff that they probably don't like. Every time I gain some, they take them away. Um, but so I do want to thank everybody for subscribing. So do you want to finish us out in any type of DMX or anything? Or do you want to just kind of roll out with that? Or <laughs> I mean, do an I'm encore? Do we got a DMX encore? <laughs> oh, God. I uh, I think I might have had. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave it. We're just gonna leave it. All right. Well, we'll do it for Thanks. next time. We'll <laughs> save so the encore for the DMX for next time. Thanks everybody for showing up. And um, guess what? We're out of here. Thank you everybody. Have a good night. Have a good yes. night. All right. So if you like what you heard here and you want to make sure you can stay up to date, make sure you check out sagenewslive.com. That's my website. It's also going to be where you're going to find where I'm also at. Uh, podcast, Spotify, a- Apple, 
um, Twitch, Vimeo, all these other places, not just on YouTube. So if you're looking to listen to me on podcast or anything else, you can go ahead and hit up the website. Also, upcoming streams, things I'm going to be having. And if you're looking for factoring for under 2% with one of the best factoring companies out there, definitely check me out on my website. Go ahead and shoot me a text or email me about the information. I'll reach out and get you hooked up like a tow truck. As always, stay safe, stay out.